Good evening. My name is Andrew and uh, I come from Egypt. And it might be a bit strange for you that an Egyptian student is preaching. And maybe some of you would be wondering, weren't the Egyptians enslaving the people of God and one of them is preaching? But, but to my defense, we hosted Jesus when Herod wanted to kill him, so we're all good. As, as uh, Matthew said, we are looking in the Gospel of John about the signs and we'll read uh, from the sixth chapter. So let's read from verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already knew what he had in mind and what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Let me take a moment to pray again. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for coming down from heaven to show us who you really are. I pray that in this evening, the Son will be glorified and that we will understand the sign to know who you really are and what you want to tell us. May you give us your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, in this scene, it, it, it's, it's a well-known scene where, where Jesus feeds the, the multitude. But interestingly enough, in, in the Synoptic Gospels, we have something happening before this incident. So if you read Mark or Matthew, you will know that uh, John, Jesus' cousin, was beheaded before this incident. And in, in Mark, we have Jesus taking the disciples and going away. But in Matthew, uh, he records that Jesus was distressed and went away in a boat. And I think any one of us who went through hardships where they lost a, a loved one, they go into a phase of depression. And I think this background makes this miracle even more interesting. So in the midst of the depression and the sadness, Jesus could see the multitudes and he stopped and healed him, healed them. And after that, he even went further and asked, what shall we do to feed them? And the first point I see 
in this passage that Jesus is interested in your life. Though you might think that God is busy, that he has created billions of people, he is interested in you especially, in your needs. He knows you by name. And not only we see this in this passage, but we see it all over Jesus' life. We, we see him um, seeing Zacchaeus on a, on a big tree, though he, he's a short man. We see him noticing the woman that, that, that was with blood amongst the, the multitudes of people. Jesus can spot you. And, 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 and he's very interested in your life. I remember a, a friend of mine was telling me the story that she was in a church and someone was preaching and a part of, of the sermon like pierced through her heart. And, and she told me, in that moment, she forgot what, what was happening around her. She didn't care what the people thought. But she was really praising God and she said that God noticed me amidst all the people in church. He was interested in talking to me and giving me a word. So the first thing I think this passage is telling us, don't think that you are a, Mr. a, a, a very big group and, and you're not noticed. Jesus is especially interested in your life. And, and I hope we, we get that because sometimes we come to church and, and, and praise about the cross and, and, and God's love. But it remains like a, a fact, a distant fact. But I want you first to ask yourself this question. Do you really believe that God is interested in your life? Yes, the cross was the biggest sign of his love. But it, it's not the end. He's really interested in providing for your life. As it were, he thinks about you every day. He has plans for you. He thinks, how can I help you or, or you become a better person today? He has plans for you. So this is the first question. Do you really know who you are to God? Do you really believe that He is interested in, in your life? After that, we read that He uh, asks, asks the disciples, what, what shall we do about this large group? And Philip uh, tells him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And it seems like Philip said, okay Jesus, you're a good carpenter, maybe you know how to deal with the wood, but maybe math is not your thing. We have 5,000 a year. It would take that much money to feed them. But actually, Jesus was asking the question to see if Philip really got how the kingdom works. If he really knew who Jesus was. If he really knew Jesus' intentions. And then we, we read that Andrew said there was five loaves and, and two pieces of fish. And Jesus took that and fed 5,000. And this passage asks us a question. Do you re really believe that, that God can provide for your needs? And I don't mean you to just say, yes, I do believe. Because sometimes we hold intellectual truth in our heads. But do we really believe that? So, C.S. Lewis gave this example. I will spice it a bit. So he said, I, I may ask you if you believe that this rope is strong enough to hold you. And you may say, yes, sure, sure, uh, yeah, I, I believe it's, it's a strong rope. And maybe then I can ask you, so are you ready to testify this? We, we, we'll bring the camera and we'll broadcast an ad that will be seen by millions. Are you ready to say that you trust that rope? And you say, yeah, yeah, I will confess, I put my faith in that rope, that that rope is strong enough. But if I ask you, okay, if you believe in the strength of that rope, we will tie it along your waist and you will use it to hike a mountain. 
then we will really know if you trust if this rope is strong enough. So the question is not, can you say that you trust God? But can, do you really trust Him in real life? And I learned this truth before, before and when I came here to Oxford. Before I came here, I, I loved listening and reading to Dallas Willard. And he has this motto that I was preaching in Egypt. We live in God's kingdom depending on His resources. And I kept repeating it to my friends in Egypt and pointing them to the kingdom of heaven and its resources. And then when I was about to come here, I started worrying. Because the uh, sterling is worth 13 Egyptian pounds. And I started making some math. Uh, would it be enough for my food and my expenses? And then when I was about to come here, will I catch the right bus? Will I arrive at, at the right time? Will the lady be there to show me my room? Or will I sleep on the pavement that day? Will I know where the post office is to get my residence card? Where, where, where can I buy food? And I had this anxiety. And then we realized, do I really believe that I am living in God's kingdom depending on His resources? And I discovered in some areas, yes. But in some other areas, no. I knew it in my mind. But my anxiety and my fear showed me that I don't really believe it in all the areas of my life. And Jesus asked him, do you believe that I can provide for you? Maybe uh, after our time together, maybe you can reflect on the last week. What things were you anxious about? Were you conscious that God cares for you and can provide for these things? So the first question was, do you really believe that God cares about you? The, th- the second question is, do you really believe that He has enough resources to care for you? But the third question would be, what if He doesn't provide? What if there are needs that I don't see fulfilled? And we look around us and it seems that some people go hungry, some people are without shelter, some people endure hardships. And then comes the hardest and, in my, in my opinion, the most deep question. What what do we really need? And to answer that, I will read the last verse again, and then read uh, some more verses from the same chapter. So in verse 15, it says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Then in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I, I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For in, on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. In verse 15 we see them saying, okay, this is a great man, he feeds us, he does miracle, let's make him a king. But later on, Jesus shows us their real intentions. They are not following him because he's a great man. They are not following him because they believe in him. They are following him because he provides for their material needs. And in a novel by Dostoevsky, the Kremazov brothers, he has a character uh, imagining that Jesus came to earth again. And he's like, 
interviewed by this cardinal uh, from, uh, who persecutes him and, and really opposes him. And he thinks that Jesus was wrong in giving the people freedom and, and giving them space. And in, 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 in one area, he tells him, what were you thinking? When, when, when the devil tempted you to turn the stone into bread, why didn't you do that? If you would turn the stone into bread, if you kept feeding people, if you kept giving people the material goods, they would have followed you forever and they wouldn't have crucified you. And I've seen this happening in my country. The, pe- the people in power sometimes use the poverty of my people to force them to vote for them. They played on their need and provided goods for them to follow them. It was not because the people were uh, convinced that they were good people and they had good agendas for my country. It's only because they provided bread and oil and this stuff. And Jesus refuses that. Jesus says, no. I know that, that you need bread and I will provide that. But is there more to life? And I think Jesus answers, yes. And in his temptation, he says, we don't only live by bread, but by the word of God. And and in the same gospel, in John's gospel, he was sitting with the Samaritan woman. And uh, his disciples went to buy food. They came back and they offered food to Jesus. And he said, I don't need it. I have food that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of my father. And I think he was not only speaking metaphorically. I think doing the will of the Father was fulfilling. And it was the reason why he was there. But I think because he knew what the kingdom of heaven was. He was really filled. God from his heavenly existence provided for Jesus. And Jesus points forward and says, There is a deeper fulfillment for your hunger. We, we, we are uh, learning about the signs in, in John's gospel. And what is this feeding of, of, of the group's point for? I think it's a sign from the past and a sign to the future. It's a sign from the past because it, it, it looks back at Moses and, and the manna coming from heaven, where, where God took his people outside of Egypt and liberated them from, from captivity. And Jesus is saying, I will do it again. I will take you out of captivity, but this time we will defeat the, the, the real enemy. The devil, the sin that, that has enslaved you, the, the things that you are so focused upon that enchain you, I will free you from this. I will free you from material goods, I will free you from selfishness, I, I will free you from anxiety. But in order for you to be freed, you have to step from these and know where your real fulfillment is. And he goes on to point forward and says, in verse 26. Uh, sorry, 28. Uh, then they asked him, What must we do the, to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is to this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna, in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, Moses was not the source. And the manna, the, the, the bread from heaven, your ancestors ate it and died. But here, here, here is a deeper bread. Here is a, a bread, if you ate it, you will never die. You will never feel hungry. I am this bread. And I think Jesus is giving us a real challenge. He's asking us, what is reality? What is reality? What, what is real fulfillment? Is it success? Is it having enough food? Is it fame? Is it being loved by those around us? I think if, if we follow these, at one time, point, they will let us down. And Jesus say, says, I will not. Even if sometimes you like these. Paul, Paul said, I, I, I learned to be hungry, and, and, and I learned to have enough. And in another place he says, I, 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 I count all things as, as, as garbage when I compare them to having Jesus. And the question is, did you experience that? Are you experiencing that? If you experience that, there is more. There is always more to know Jesus, to, to, to experience this at a deeper level. And if you, have, you haven't experienced that, you can ask God, why didn't I experience that? Maybe you've heard that before and it didn't work for you. Maybe this is new. But Jesus says, whoever's come to me, I will not let him hungry. When, uh, when I reflect on, on my own life, I think day after day, this, this becomes true. Uh, and we need to experience this. And I, I think sometimes we, we forget, forget this reality. And maybe we, we need to repeat things daily. Maybe, maybe we can read the Psalms. Remember Psalm 16 where it says, The Lord is my portion. Not goods. The Lord is my portion. Or remember Abraham. When God appeared to him and, and, and he was promising him about Isaac, before promising a son, he says, Fear not. I am your shield. And I am your great reward. What reward are you waiting for? Do you come to church for, to feel good? Do you pray for for God to provide your needs? Or do you want God Himself? I think the deepest reality in the universe is God and His love. And because God is big enough, you can never say, okay, I've had enough of Him. You can always know more. And this sign points forward to the future, when we will sit at the banquet of the Lamb. And in Revelation, the language used is really good. It, it says, we will no, no longer need the sun, for God himself will be the light of the city. We will no longer need the temple, for the glory of God will, will be filling the earth. So, to sum up, I think you, we need to ask ourselves these three questions. Think about our lives. Do you really know who you are to God? Do you really believe that He provides for you?
And who is God for you? Is he a source to provide goods? Or is he the ultimate good himself? Let us pray. God, I thank you because you are the greatest giver of all. And when you give, you don't give things. You give yourself. Lord, I know that experiences cannot be fully shared. And more, you can't be reduced to mere words. If your spirit doesn't explain to us, if if your spirit doesn't show us your beauty, we, we won't understand this. We will still pursue goods. God, I pray that you may reveal to us our real need. That you would show us that you are enough. That you would show us your beauty. That we would stop seeking other things. And that we would seek you, your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, I also know that you are a loving Father. And I, I, I don't know what are the needs that, of the people who are sitting here. But I, I know that you do. I ask that you provide for those needs. I ask that you comfort them. If they have things that trouble them or worry worry them. Let us all realize who we are to you. And let us learn that you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.